This is Sports Jam. I'm Doug Doyle. It's certainly football season, and back in June, the former president of the latest version of the United States Football League, Brian Woods, announced that he has ambitious plans to launch a spring 11-on-11 name-image-likeness-friendly independent high school football league in 2024. The Prep Super League is planning for a six-week season with NCAA rules that runs from April 19th through May 24th across 12 cities in eight states. And joining us on Sports Jam to talk about the Prep Super League is the CEO and founder, Brian Woods. Great to see you, Brian. Great to be with you, Doug. Joining us from Bergen County, your home now. That's correct. I'm in Bergen County, uh, specifically Upper Saddle River, New Jersey. Brian, you grew up in a football crazy state of Florida. So uh, it's been in your blood for a long time. And now, as we mentioned, you're based uh, in New Jersey. That will be one of the states involved in the Prep Super League, right? That's correct. Yeah, we we do have a good amount of uh, Prep high school football talent here in this area, which I don't think New Jersey gets enough credit for. Uh, but certainly with Bergen Catholic and Don Bosco and some of the programs just here in the general vicinity, we think that in, in some of the uh, various public schools here in the local area, uh, definitely could be uh, very supportive and, and have a, a good talent base to uh, be part of the initial membership. Not every executive gets to check off all the boxes when it comes to a resume and a sport that you love and, and have been an executive of. But yours does. You have set yourself up success as a, an executive. You were a walk-on safety at Ole Miss, spent time as a coach, graduate assistant coach at Iowa State. You interned with the Jets, working on salary cap matters, and spent five years as an agent. You also found time to get a law degree from West Virginia University. So before we talk about the specifics of the new league, let's go back to those days at Ole Miss. Walking on to a Division I football program is not easy. So what lessons did you learn from that experience? I think, well, first and foremost, right out of high school, I had an opportunity to uh, go to a Division II school in Ohio, but my dream was really to play Division I football. And I felt like, you know, I was talented enough to, to realize that and uh, had an opportunity. And it was the opportunity at the time was the University of Mississippi had come under scrutiny by the NCAA for some things that um, had violated rules. And they were in a position where they were losing a lot of scholarships. And because of that, they needed walk-ons. They needed more walk-ons than probably most SEC programs. And so this was my opportunity, if you will, or my foray into playing major Division One football, and Ole Miss provided me with that, that opportunity. Unfortunately, you know, my career did not uh, amount to what I wanted it to, but certainly um, I, I probably learned more from not realizing that opportunity to, to really fulfill my, my, my chance to get on the field there at, at the University of Mississippi but I certainly learned a lot about just being resilient and, and perseverance and, uh, you know, just playing and participating in a team environment like that. So I, uh, we, we actually had a, an Ole Miss, uh, a member of the Ole Miss Alumni Association here at my house last night uh, for dinner and some drinks with myself, wife and the children. And so Ole Miss is a, has a very special place in my heart and um, it was a great experience for me. And it definitely, I think, prepared me well for my my future career absolutely and you can put your mind into the helmets of these young high school players you know what that you know has all been about so 
you said that the prep super league will help players navigate the NIL landscape at a time when not all states and high school associations are actually welcoming that topic. Can you explain that a little bit more? I think part of the catalyst for the Prep Super League, there was a number of environmental factors that led me to create this. I'm entrepreneurial, as you know, for the better part of the past decade, I've been creating sports properties and, you know, including the Spring League, which was a more or less a de facto D-League for the NFL. And then most recently, the new iteration of the United States Football League. So I was the president of that, but I was also the founder of that. And so um, and was able to sell both those properties and exit successfully, uh, you know, with my relationship with Fox Sports. Uh, but you know, ultimately, what I would tell you is part of the catalyst for creating the Prep Super League was that, you know, NIL is such a new phenomenon. I think the idea of creating the Prep Super League five years ago would have been a good business model in that there is a multitude of travel and club sports. The proliferation of club sports and travel sports in the United States has really gotten big as parents put money into, you know, their son or daughter in pursuit of that all coveted athletic scholarship. But what's really interesting is that there really isn't and hasn't been uh, a supplemental platform to traditional 11 on 11 football. So we thought that there was a void there, but ultimately I also needed a catalyst, if you will, to attract that star player. And so with more and more States affording opportunities in the NIL world to their high school student athletes, I thought, Hey, this is the perfect time to launch a property like this. The unfortunate thing is, and especially in some of the big football States like Florida and Texas, there is still many jurisdictions that don't allow NIL. And so I wanted to create a national league so that players could participate in my league and take part in NIL, whether or not their state high school association allowed it or not, because ultimately it's a state by state decision, but because we have a national league, we're not subject to state policy. And so I wanted to put and give an opportunity or provide an opportunity rather to all of these high school age student athletes, because I felt like, if college athletes are given the opportunity, high school athletes should have the same. And now the majority of states have it, but there's still several that don't. And so um, the prep Super League really kind of served to fill that void. So you have New Jersey, as you mentioned, Miami, Phoenix, San Diego, San Francisco, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, L.A., Cleveland, Tampa. It really is across uh, across the country. When you think about this league actually also supplementing recruiting camps on those seven-on-seven programs, that, that can work out as well, right? I think, look, at the end of the day, and I tell people this all the time, but seven-on-seven should be viewed no more than a drill. That's what seven-on-seven is. It's a drill, and it's something that players can get good at. But it should be viewed as nothing more than that. And what I mean by it is that ultimately they're missing some very valuable components when you play seven on seven and mainly the offensive and defensive linemen. But more importantly, the quarterbacks don't really see a live pass rush. The wide receivers catch the ball knowing full and well, no one's going to hit them. Linebackers take zone drops that you would never see them take in a real football context. And so I think that having 11 on 11 football, especially in the time of year when all the division one programs are out recruiting making scholarship offers to, you know, promising student athletes, there should be sub- something supplemental in nature out there. And that was, you know, again, a big reason for the creation of the Prep Super League. Um, but I also think that the the football world has become so diluted in terms of seven on seven. It used to be a very prestigious thing to participate in one of those. Now every high school, every every state, every college, university, they all have some form of seven on seven. But ultimately, it's not a very good evaluation tool. And so this is real football. It's 11 on 11. It's contact. 
And so I think that, you know, we, you know, of course we should be see we should be seeing supplemental to high school, traditional high school football. Um, but I think we, we have carved out a really nice uh, area or a really nice part of the calendar to exist and provide an additional opportunity for the top players. And this doesn't have to be five-star and four-star recruits, right? We, there's opportunities for others in this. Yeah, and I think that that was kind of lost in our initial uh, media uh, launch, if you will. It was a lot of focus on the four- and five-star just, be, just because we mentioned NIL. And so they just assumed that every player coming in is you know, being paid in some form or fashion. And quite the contrary, we do think that a good majority of our rosters will be these star players, but we also feel like we can put a core of athletes around them mainly two- and three-star kids, guys that we've identified as having a skill set, they've been overlooked, or otherwise players that we feel like we can develop and you know, turn these guys into four- and five-star players respectively. So we're, we're bringing in coaches that all have NCAA or NFL experience. So we feel like giving players that sort of uh, level of instruction will certainly allow some of these players to you know, increase their uh, – uh, not just their – their uh, experience or, or provide that experience to them, but definitely give them opportunities to play with better talent, which in turn, a lot of times does, does uh, accelerate that player's development, but more importantly, put them with the best teachers and instructors. And thus putting them in with, with great teachers and instructors. So it kind of leads me into this question too, though. More and more football, everybody knows that naturally comes the risk of possible injuries, but you are addressing that concern. We are addressing the concern in a multitude of, 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 of ways. And one of them is, look, first and foremost, we're going to exist from mid-April to late May. That's it. It's a six-week season. Our practices are going to resemble NFL regular season practices. As a matter of fact, I have been in touch with the NFL on a few occasions already to kind of discuss with them best practices, sort of their medical protocols, you know, what their collective bargaining agreement allows so we want to kind of follow, um, you know, we want to have enough content. We want to have enough contact, rather, uh, to make sure it's valuable for the offensive and defensive linemen and we get good instructional work. But we really don't want players being injured during practice. We want to keep injuries to a minimum. We've also looked at, you know, we're going to play NCAA rules football, but we've also looked at possibilities of uh, deviating a little bit, which is to say maybe modifying our kickoff and doing some other things to make the game safer, including potentially adding a running clock. So anything we can do to make the game safer for our participants, that's what we're about. But more importantly, here's, here's what else I would say, Doug, that people were missing out on. They immediately thought that, well, these are going to be additional games that these players take part in. My position is we will have players that come to us this year, some of the top juniors that have committed to schools by December of their junior year, have entered into the early signing period by their junior year, and we'll decide, you know what? I'm going to make the prep Super League my senior season. I'm going to have less wear and tear in my body. If I get injured, I'm going to have a full year to recuperate. But all the top players right now want to be on campus by January. So they're going to focus on academics in the summer, in the fall, and then be in a position to contribute to their college team by the spring of what would have been the spring of their senior year. And so that is something that I think has been lost. The concept has been lost on a lot of people. But we, we do have some players that will probably come in most likely and use the prep Super League as their senior season. And I think it's beneficial on a lot of fronts. Well, I, even though it's been out there and people have been talking about it, I, I don't think the average person really understands 
name, image, and likeness. Can you kind of, especially in, in when it comes to the, the prep super league, can you explain it a little bit more for in layman's terms, what it means to the athlete? Yeah. I mean, look, first and foremost, it's really ultimately your personal brand. That's what it is. I, they, one of the companies that I speak to on a fairly regular basis that goes around and educates the college students and they have, they sign up a lot of universities around the country and they educate the, the college student athlete on name, image, and likeness. They conducted a recent poll. Over 80% of the respondents said that likeness was how much you were actually liked. So by other people. So even the athletes themselves don't fully comprehend what name, image, and likeness is. But I can tell you, you know, it's really about your personal brand. It's about your, your image. It's about, you know, how, how, um, you know, you're seen in terms of marketing and branding and so on and so forth. And so the one thing about the Prep Super League that's really unique is that players can take part in the Prep Super League in states that don't currently allow NIL for high school athletes. Um, and, of course, you could be looking at an eligibility issue with their own state association. But a player that's coming in and taking compensation for their name, image, and likeness has made a decision that, hey, listen, my state doesn't currently allow it but I'm going to participate in this league because they do allow it. And I can also be able to participate with no restrictions because even in the States where NIL is currently afforded to high school athletes, there's still a multiple number of restrictions they put in place. And so one thing we're not going to have is restrictions. So you're going to be able to, you know, wear your uniform in conjunction with an NIL campaign. You're going to be able to do take part in NIL campaigns and promotion with the prep super league. Um, We also feel like Doug, that, Ultimately, this is a national league. So players should be seen as one in 600 versus one in a million, which is the traditional number of, of high school football participation each year. So just the, just the simple fact that you're playing in a national league, you're going to be elevated. You're going to increase your personal brand. So even the player that comes into the league that might not take part in a, in a NIL deal with the Prep Super League or conjunction in conjunction with the Prep Super League participation they are absolutely increasing their personal brand that's going to make them more valuable when they look at NIL deals when they arrive on their respective college campuses. So there's a lot of really uh, positive things in terms of NIL and increasing NIL's, NIL value for an individual player by participating in the Prep Super League. We're speaking with Brian Woods here on Sports Jam. He is the president and CEO of the new league that will be coming out. And it is the Prep Super League, spanning six weeks with NCAA rules running from April 19th through May 24th across 12 cities in 2024. Brian, covering high school football, doing play-by-play of it many years ago for for a good while, I've run into coaches who, high school coaches, who are extremely helpful when it comes to getting their players to the next level. And then other coaches that maybe – I don't know whether it could be jealousy or they don't have the time. Don't, per, you know, really pursue helping them. Have you experienced that as well? And how have the high school coach has been reacting to the Prep Super League? Yeah, I think, listen, for the most part, when we announced, there was definitely some ambivalence in the football world. I think um, for the players and parents, people were excited because here was another opportunity being presented. And I, as I mentioned, again, to the star player, you know, NIL deals uh, certainly are going to be more fruitful by taking part in the Prep Super League. In terms of the responses we got um, or the responses that we at least saw in the media from, you know, various high school coaches around the country, 
I believe that some of the coaches that responded did so without really getting all the information about our league first. And I think the ones that were a little smarter just said, hey, I need to know a little bit more before I make any sort of decision. So I think immediately there was concern that that we would be, you know, taking their players from them. And I said, well, first of all, there's only a handful of states that have spring football. More importantly, we think this could be supplemental to traditional high school football. So let's say, for instance, you are a top uh, quarterback, uh, but you played behind maybe an All-American the season before, but next year you're being looked at as the starting quarterback for your high school and you're being counted on to step right in and play. The idea that you could put your quarterback in the prep Super League, they could get some real game experience against really talented players, see a live pass rush developed way more than anything they're going to see with seven on seven. They, they should see that as a, a very positive thing uh, in enhancing their own program. And so I think that, you know, this notion that we're, we're coming in and we're going to take the top players, uh, I, I, I think that that is, um, you know, it's unfortunate because we're really here to be supplemental in nature, I would think. And I would also tell you, too, in a lot of our markets, we've had a lot of, you know, well-seasoned high school coaches reach out to us and, and offer their assistance, including, uh, you know, wanting to take part in the coaching staff. So overall, I think it's been very positive, but I just think that, Look, anytime you're doing something different, you're disrupting the current landscape, there's going to be individuals out there that feel threatened. And I think that's where a lot of the comments were coming from, just a place of feeling threatened. Um, but, you know, what we've been doing the last several months, outreach to various um, you know, high school coaches and programs around the country you know, to reassure them that we're here to be supplemental. But we also feel like that we have a business and it's a good one. And uh, uh, this is something that we feel like should have been out there many years ago. And with that in mind, uh, the excitement from, as you've mentioned, with players and coaches and, and parents, the league plans on launching an app, right, to see all and stream all the action? That's going to be something we're, that's something that we're extremely excited about, Doug, because we are launching our own direct-to-consumer platform. We will have our own app. We've partnered with a you know, number of companies that are going to give us some really unique technological benefits and uh, allow us to distribute our games in a, in a form that no one's ever seen before. So number one, we've partnered with a company called Phoenix. So we're, we will be able to, uh, fans that watch our games will be able to see our games in sub-second latency. And that's something even the pro sports leagues aren't doing right now. So literally you watch our game, you're gonna be watching it in real time. The other thing we've done is we're partnering with a data tracking company that's going to allow us to have real-time data being shown. We're gonna have a sensor in the football, sensor in shoulder pads, these are some of the things we're going to be doing have, have not been done in college football yet, let alone never been done in high school football. So this will not be – when you watch a prep Super League game, it will not look like a traditional high school football game. We're also looking, like as I mentioned before, to potentially have a running clock so we can make the format a little quicker because ultimately we do feel like there's a media play here with this league and we're, we're hoping to attract that younger audience. So anything we can do on that front, including – you know, bringing in some really unique technological capabilities into our first season, we're going to do. You mentioned earlier, you know, you're a league creator and you were able to, you know, to be successful at this. Maybe let's take the USFL. What was one thing that you look at as a great positive of that league and then something you look back and say, mm, something could have been done differently? Yeah, so I would say first and foremost, anytime you're creating something um, that's supplemental in nature, and that's really what the USFL was, it was going to be, you know, a new spring football league 
provide additional opportunities to um, uh, players that are aspiring to play in the NFL. Uh, but more importantly, you know, find some maybe undiscovered talent. Um, I think the one, the one accomplishment I'm the most proud of is just that we were able to get the league up in such a short period of time um, in its first year. And the product, for all intents and purposes, looked really good for season one. You know, in terms of season two, they were competing against the XFL. And ultimately, I think they're all competing, they're all fighting over the same player, which is that guy that just hasn't made it in the NFL yet, you know, hasn't, hasn't caught on after, you know, he's cut from an NFL training camp. Um, so there were certainly some philosophical differences after the first season between myself and uh, the people over at uh, Fox. And part of it was my vision was to go after younger players. I wanted to get players from the transfer portal. You got all these players that are going into the transfer portal every year. One in five of these guys goes into the transfer portal on scholarship and then transfers to a Division One program as a walk-on. So I saw that as a real opportunity for us because we had a program that would allow our current players to finish their degrees, even start and complete a master's degree. And so because of that, because we had that educational opportunity and these players were, were given that opportunity for, you know, free of charge, I said, well, we should be going after younger players. We should be going after, you know, players in the transfer portal um, and, and, and potentially cultivating talent even before the NFL can get their hands on it. So that was one of the differences, I guess, in opinion. And so I felt like, you know, unfortunately, nothing was done differently in season two and they're competing against another you know, entity, which is another, um, you know, spring football operation in the XFL. And as of yesterday, there was, you know, some rumors about a potential merger, but ultimately it's a hard, you know, landscape to exist in and thrive. And so I think both entities probably see that if we don't do this, we may not survive. And so um, it was still a great experience for me, but one where I kind of, my vision was a little bit different in terms of where we were going in terms of the talent we were trying to procure, you know, ultimately. You brought up the transfer portal, and I'm curious to know. We know that it's it's you know it's exciting for the athletes and 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 the opportunities. What has it meant to the game of college football? We see programs like Colorado <laughs> now, and sure. what are your thought? What are your thoughts on that? USC had a completely different roster last year, right? What do you what do you think about that? I think to me, it resembles NFL free agency. It's really, there's no loyalty to any program at this point. It's really, you know, where can I go that offers me the best opportunity to play? That's what the transfer portal was supposed to be initially. But then very quickly, because of NIL legislation and, and the proliferation, proliferation rather of NIL, it became, where can I go that they give me more money? And, and honestly, you know, just talking to some of the Division One coaches that I know here in the offseason, um, a lot of deals that are happening out there, no one ever hears about. And, and because, um, you know, I know that one Big Ten school was recruiting an offensive lineman. They lost him to a Pac-12 school. Um, and that player was offered basically, you know, a three-year deal at 100000 plus a year in some sort of NIL component through a donor-led collective. So it's really become a free agency market or, it's, or it resembles rather NFL free agency right now. Um, and I think it's, it's difficult. It's going to be extremely difficult for the lesser, if you want to call them group of five and the lesser known division one programs to see any sort of success, because the way I see it, the university of Houston's, if you will, or the Appalachian States or the, 
you know, even the smaller division one programs out there, like the, the, the wake forest of the world. I don't think that um, any player that, that goes to a, uh, let's say division one school right out of high school, that's not in the power five. He realizes that if I'm in a bigger program, I have more NIL opportunities. Right. So I think it's hard for those schools to secure a player and then keep that player. If in fact that player ends up um, really developing and, and coming into his own. And so I think NIL to some extent is become the new world of NFL free agency, but it's also going to lead to some continuity issues as you, as you pointed out. You are working now with, with the high school athletes. And when I watch a game, I recently watched, uh, I believe it was uh, Notre Dame and NC State. The quarterbacks for the respective teams were 24 and 23 years old and both had stellar careers at other schools. You mentioned Wake Forest, Notre Dame's quarterback uh, transferred. Like in their sixth season uh, of, of college football, that takes away big opportunities for, for young kids coming into the program, right? And that was another reason for the Prep Super League. I had looked at what was happening with the transfer portal. I was following, you know, the billions of dollars that were flowing through the major conferences. And I thought, okay, I can create something here that should have media value, especially if we put, we go into the markets that historically have produced the most amount of talent each year, whether that be NCAA Division One rosters and Power Five conferences, whether that be opening day rosters, you know, around the NFL. So I thought there was a real, a real play there. But more importantly, another one of the factors that I that I identified was the fewer was the reduction in scholarships finding their way to high school players due in part to the transfer portal. So because of the transfer portal, I'm a I'm a college coach now. I can simply say, you know what, I'm going to go into the transfer portal and get a more experienced player. I'm going to select a more experienced player at the quarterback position, defensive end position, whatever it may be in lieu of signing a high school player. And that has led to, over the last two years, a reduction roughly of four to 500 fewer scholarships per year over the last two years, finding their way to high school players. So again, I said to myself, the Prep Super League can now maybe put players in a position where they can, they can be more visible, they can prepare them better for the college game because there's gonna be increased level of competition. We can expose them to a higher level of coaching. Um, and have these players really ready to play that game so colleges aren't so nervous, especially with that you know, lower-tier three-star player that they're going to say, you know what, we'd rather go with the kid in the transfer portal. So um, that was – I think you, you're right to point that out because it's critical and it was also another catalyst for the formation of the Prep Super League. Brian Woods could rest on his laurels and just, you know, the, the leagues that you have created – but what motivates you to continue to want to do new things and, and things that require a lot of work, Brian? Yeah, I think, look, once you're entrepreneurial in nature, which I, which I really feel like I am, and I'm, I've always been a risk taker. That's just the way I live. Uh, my wife is not so keen on that, especially now that we have you know, three kids. But uh, I, I just that's my thing, and, and I like creating. Uh, that's really part of my my issue, I think, when I left the USFL is that after I launched the USFL, I don't want to say I became bored very quickly, but, but certainly I was looking for my next challenge, if you will. And so um, I'm all about creating opportunity, finding voids in the current you know, sports landscape. The other thing is I've got a pretty good resume, as you pointed out, in terms of understanding what goes into creating these properties. 
knowing what the pitfalls are, having gone through all the trials and tribulations myself. So I feel like if there's anybody out there that can create a new football league and say, you know, I'm serious about this and I have the, the requisite skill set to do it, you know, I feel like I'm the guy that can go out there and execute it. And so, um, again, this was just another opportunity that I saw. And um, I, I think this will definitely be my last property that I create. But one thing I would, I would certainly point out to you, and I, I tell people this all the time, I enjoyed what I did over the last several years and the properties that I was creating. I have never been more excited about anything than I've been about the prep super league in terms of, you know, creating something new and probably because Doug, no one's ever done this before. No one's ever created a national high school league. And we think that not only can this model be very useful in the football world, we also believe that we can ultimately add more sports to this platform. So there could be more sports that come in under the prep super league umbrella, you know, in the near term. So the last question here on sports Jam. For the very first game of the Prep Super League, you're allowed to go back in time and and you have three seats next to you. Who are you bringing? And you can't include family in this. Who are you bringing to this game that's so important to you, the launching of, of your league, that would sit next to you and why? <laughs> well, that's the hardest question. I'm glad you saved it uh, last. Well, I think... You know, ultimately, I'd probably want to have somebody there that appreciates sport and understands just how powerful sport is uh, and, 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 and what sport can do and just the lives that sport can change. And so to me, it feels like it's some sort of combination of Nelson Mandela, Muhammad Ali, uh, and maybe somebody like Paul Brown, who was a real innovator in the world of, of football. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that had it not had it not been for the AFL, the NFL might not still be here today. And the AFL was very progressive. The AFL brought the forward pass, which, you know, before that time, the NFL was really more or less for running league. But everything from the you know quarterback to coach communication system to the modern face mask, all of these things were developed uh, by Paul Brown. So I see him and not only as a you know, great football mind, but somebody that was also very entrepreneurial but could appreciate what I was doing with football. So Paul Brown would be there. Muhammad Ali would be there and either Nelson Mandela or some other political figure. So you can see from the answer to that question, how Brian's mind works. It's right on the spot. He comes up with a spectacular answer to a very <laughs> just bizarre type of question. Brian Woods, Congratulations on all your past success. And now with the Prep Summer League coming up in 2024, we appreciate your time here on Sports Jam. Absolutely, Doug. It's been a real pleasure. Sports Jam is a WBGO Studios production. You can hear all the past shows by going to WBGO.org slash Sports Jam or WBGO.org slash Studios. You can also find Sports Jam with Doug Doyle on the NPR list of podcasts or wherever you hear podcasts. Special thanks going out this week to Joe Favorito for hooking us up with Brian Woods. Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game.